Welcome to Faith Fondue, a podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue features a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. It is the week of January 7th, Season 4, Episode 1. It is the last of the Christmas season, the Feast of the Epiphany, Little Christmas. Ann and I have taken a break, and I really missed it. Um, I am excited to be back taping our podcast. Our goal is to complete 24 episodes in 2024. Anne is recently back from her faculty retreat where she had a special speaker. Anne, welcome. I am truly so excited to be back working with you, talking to you, connecting with you, um, hopefully twice a month. That's right. Uh, great to be back, Haley. In the time that we have taken this pause, I don't know, the podcast world, it just continues to explode. And there's so much that's shared, but I think Faith Mondu has its own little niche. And yeah, a goal of 24 and 2024, 20, something we get to share. And it's a great way for us to right unpack some ideas and offer them to our audience. So I wanted to start with the speaker. His name is Padraig Otuma. He's from uh, Cork in Ireland. And I mentioned him because he... I got to know who he was through a podcast. So On Being with Krista Tippett. Padraig is a regular contributor. He has a podcast called Poetry Unbound. And so a couple of things about Padraig. He is a theologian. He's um, obviously a poet and Irish. So those things alone uh, drew me in. And he's brilliant and uh, fascinating. And poetry is kind of an area... I don't really know a lot and we could you know talk a lot about poetry but I'll just say this growing up he learned a poem a week wow. one in Irish and one in English wow so you would think that that you know is a cultural value they would offer that so on our retreat Padraig offered four poems that he kind of you know dissected for lack of a better word um unpacked um and we offered them in prayer reflection small group what a great way to kind of start the year as a as a teaching, you know, as a staff and um, anyone involved in our school. Everybody goes. So I don't know, Haley, like, do you what's your thought on poetry? And do, is it something that you read or enjoy or familiar with? Do you have a favorite poem? So, you know, it's interesting you ask that because I would not say I am an intentional poetry reader. I don't seek it out. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever read a book on poems or with poems, except for maybe when I was younger, Shel Silverstein. Uh, he's probably the one poet that I can name that would come to mind so quickly. Um, but it's really funny because I write a Christmas poem every year. And oh. I, I'm in the middle of doing it right now. It's more of my New Year's poem. Um, clearly people, and I don't say this because I wrote it, um, but I've gotten several um, text messages, people reaching out because they haven't received our Christmas card yet. Um, and they have said they've missed the poem and could we they please go back on the list. Um, and it's it's not that they're off the list. It actually is really hard to come off our Christmas card list. But um, <laughs> I just I, we just we did we did New Year's cards this year. So I, I love and I love so I love that. I love the I love reflecting on my year and putting it together in poem. Um, and so I spend time anytime I am listening to poetry, which clearly I must because um, even though I'm not intentionally seeking it out, I'm constantly noting 
um, words that rhyme or phrases that go together um, and, and making note of that because I know I'm going to write this poem at the end of the year. Um, so no, I wouldn't say I'm a big poet or into poetry, um, but one of the things that I find most meaningful as a tradition is writing this Christmas poem. What a great tradition. And you made me laugh, like the question of like how, I mean, the idea of, you know, it takes a lot to get off your Christmas card list because I'm, I do get some cards and I'm, I'm often surprised. I'm, you know, honestly with the cost of a stamp and, you know, with social media today, I, I think it's a wonderful tradition, but that anyone still does that and that they reach out. So it's funny to just name that that's part of your list, but it's, it's delightful to hear that that poem has meaning for so many people and it's something that you're intentional about. Um, and also that you could name a poet. I asked our faculty in preparation for the treat, do you know a poem by heart? Do you have a favorite poem? And here I was, I was thinking, oh, I've got a favorite. I mean, I've got a poem by heart. And I realized I don't know all of them all the way through. Interesting. This is my children and you shall hear the midnight ride of Paul Revere and mm. it stops there or cross <laughs> fog right i right. just i didn't get through so never throw any stones because yeah you got to test your own you got to know yourself but it was a great way just to kind of think about the year and mm -hmm. um in that framework and what a gift i i do wonder what it's like to see the world as a poet i mean you have to be keenly observant um i appreciated that about him um you have to love words right absolutely uh, deeply emotive so um, and and, and, and vulnerable too, I would imagine, right? When you're really sharing a part of yourself in a way that's very personal. Um, so, so probably a humility there as well that I'm sure was admirable also. Yeah, it was great. So, Well, just for a reminder for some of our listeners and for those who are new, um, a couple of things that I'm going to give you a shout out for, Anne. Um, so I'm going to guess, although you haven't said this, that 24 episodes in 2024 stems from um, what I believe is a tra tradition you've always had, which is something as a New Year's resolution that relates to the year. Um, I know you've done you know, X number of churches in, you know, let's say 21 churches in new 21 churches in 2021. Um, so I, when I saw that you were reaching out to start up 24 episodes in 2024, I thought, oh, I know where this is coming from. Um, <laughs> thank you for doing that. I, I have missed our time together. So I appreciate that you're roping me back into this tradition. Um, as part of Faith Fondue, we have a, a couple different parts of our podcast that we follow. We have The Flame, which we will talk about what's hot this week, our spiritual stew, which is a, a reflection on the gospel and, and anything else that Anne and I happen to be reading. And then, of course, The Melting Pot, which is the funnest part of, of Fondue, our takeaways and, and what we want to move forward with. So we can move on to The Flame. What is hot this week? I will tell you, I am very cold right now. We are in the midst of a kind of an East Coast storm. And it, of course, is winter, so I'm always cold. But what is hot this week, Anne? What are you up to? I know you're back at school. Uh, what do you have going on in this, you know, early January? Yeah, well, we honestly have the opposite. Haley, I don't know if I can say that, but our days have been gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And we had a little bit of rain. You know, people who in the Bay Area ski complain that there's no snow up in the Sierras, but we have had days of sunshine and no wind and we had so much rain for so long it's been i i've just i've loved it and 
Haley, I know you're recording in a new home and you talked about the sunsets, or excuse me, the sunrise mm-hmm. that you get to see. And I've really enjoyed the sunrise and the sunset um, in the Bay Area recently um, because we had a very long winter, but our winter, our, tr- our true winter has been wonderful. So it's not been cold. Um, it's been nice to be outside. So yesterday I went for a long walk and I'm having, thanks to the Padraig, my students do this activity where they have to write down a hundred things that they see. So the assignment was on Friday and it's Monday. They had to write down a hundred different objects, observations, and it's to train themselves and just to pay attention. So it was interesting just to look at their list. So much was about color mm-hmm. um, you know, a blue pen, um, you know, a aquamarine fleece jacket, you know, not that much, that interesting, but they all kind of talk about the process of observing. And I think, again, that's related to poetry, but I also think it's related to the spiritual life that we are kind of called to pay attention and, and be really kind of take that long look. And so yesterday on the walk, it is amazing to me that I will see things in my neighborhood I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. I also saw the former general manager of the Golden State Warriors. He lives in the area. He's tall because he played basketball and he looked so relaxed. And I thought, yeah, I bet you are. You got out at the right time. So <laughs> but it was just kind of fun to have these different observations where you kind of train yourself to see something. I don't know if that resonates with you, but, you know, it's a good exercise. Oh, I love that. It's um, it actually reminds me, um, you know, oftentimes when I'm driving with my kids, not so much anymore because they don't live at home full time, but I... I observe. I I am not on my phone when I am a passenger in the car. Most other people, including my husband and my household, are. And I just I feel like they miss things. It's mm-hmm. I just I love mm-hmm. looking out the window. I spent yeah. eight hours in the car this past weekend, um, mostly driving myself. But it was I noted that my my son who I was with I was driving him back to school was not on his phone, and we just we had great conversations about things we saw out the window and. You know, we we took a, a pretty significant trip over Christmas, though, which I'm happy to share. But that was a lot of observing time. And I had asked them, that was my request for them as their Christmas gift to me was, will you please be fully present on this trip? Oh, uh, mm-hmm. You know, you're going to miss things if, if you're not fully engaged. And this is the whole purpose of this trip. And, and they were, and it, and it, they were amazed. And, and I was amazed actually. I, I had actually bought them portable cell phone chargers so that they could take pictures as we were out for, you know, hours and hours at a time. And yeah. they, they actually looked at me and said, well, mom, I didn't think we were supposed to bring our phones. And I thought, okay, you really are listening to me. But so yes, it speaks volumes to me because I do think in this day and age, people are on their phones so much, whether it's when they're walking through a city, whether it's as a passenger in the car and, and they miss so much and it really it it's it it strikes a nerve with me just personally in my own family um you know the attachment to phones um but I, but I do we you miss so much and there's just I I love that assignment um those are the these are the moments when I talk to you when I really miss teaching because I think that would be a great assignment for students um, because mm-hmm. you're right, they're looking at it. They're starting kind of at superficial things, right? The blue pen, the aquamarine jacket. Yes. But they're right. going to get it they're, as they practice it, as we all do, whether it's our faith or, or anything else that we're doing, you start, 
you know, superficial. And then as you continue to practice it, you become better and better at it. And my guess is as they continue to practice really observing, they will see deeper and deeper into what's out there. Um, yeah, I love that. I think we miss a lot of the world um, when we're looking at our phones. I agree. And it is a discipline. It's something, I mean, that you have to really, you know, the trained eye will see. And we just talk about, you know, the class is sports and spirituality. There's no sport where vision isn't an advantage. Uh, you know, you you yeah. can you can have a no-look pass in basketball and trust that your teammate is where he or she is, but you also involve peripheral vision. So I just, I love it. And I'm using a metaphor right now, but when the starting point with this exercise is no metaphor, right? And um, according to Pottery, the it, the class where this is taught, it's at Sarah Lawrence College. It says by the end, students actually don't want to do metaphor. They really want to be specific and hone in. So we'll see where this goes. We'll see, you know, if it if it offers some new lenses and whatnot. But it's a good way of thinking about 2024, maybe with a, a sharper vision to pay attention, to, to notice and look. And, um, yeah, we'll, I don't know. So and to be how about present. you? Do you have a so do you have a resolution for the year? So I I have thought about that a lot. Um, you know, it's it's since our last podcast, I hit a new decade. There is something really interesting about turning fifty. It uh, as I have reflected on many times, I turned fifty in August, so it's been a few months. I am I am. I am on the back end at this point. My my life is halfway done. And that's kind of a joke in our house anyway. It started when my, my brother's five years older. It started when he turned 25. Okay. And I said to him on his 25th birthday, which now was 30 years ago, oh, you, Stephen, you're halfway to 50. And and so it's been this joke, right? My son turns 10, you're halfway to 20. Um, oh my goodness. You know, you turn 30, you're halfway to 60. Well, I turned 50, I'm halfway to 100. I, I am I, I am probably not living past that. And if I do, the, the quality of my life is probably not going to be where I want it to be uh, oh. and truly active. So it's very reflective to turn 50 and start thinking about, okay, you know, what are my priorities here? And it sounds very cliche, but it's very real. And there are things that you can do when you're 50, but that you can't do when you're 80. Um, and there's things that you can do when you're 80. So I'm going to save those for 80. Um, but it is interesting. And, and one of the things that I have noticed, and, and I think uh, you'll hear me talk about this a lot, hopefully over these next, these 24 episodes, is really trying to keep it real. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and that goes beyond just sort of the social media posts of, oh, look what my kids did, or look what this trip we took mm -hmm. was, and, or look how great this is, or and I'm not, I'm not, it, it's not so much that. Um, I actually love reading about my friends' kids and the trips they take, and I, I celebrate all of that. That to me is, um, I, I love that. But it's more just not glossing over the parts of life that are really tough. And um, I, I don't know if that's just certain experiences that I've had recently, if it's turning 50. Um, you know, I, like you, Anne, and I know you're comfortable talking about this sometimes, live with some physical challenges still, too, from, you know, leftover nerve damage, you know, residual from yeah. the accident. And, and I tend to gloss over that a lot 
Um, and part of it is because if I focused on it every day, it would, it would, I'd never get out of bed. And, and so there yeah. is a part of me that is always upbeat and always happy and always looking at the bright side. And as my mother would say, it's not only that I see the glass half full, but a chocolate soda in the glass. That is something she has said <laughs> often. So I get that. And I like that about me. I, you know, I like yes. being that person. And, but, but there is an element to that that maybe doesn't always share what's really going on. Uh, and let's be yeah. honest, when you ask someone how they're doing, you don't want to hear all of their ails and no. pains for right. 10 minutes. But I do think there's times where you can say, oh, my gosh, you know, not my best day, but, uh, you know, I'm here and life is good and I'm going to power through. Um, I, I think it's OK to say that. I think it's OK to you know, not gloss over things yeah. um, that, that are really tough or, or painful yeah. or hard. And, and so yeah. I'm going to work on that again, not, not, not in a Debbie Downer kind of way, not in a yeah. way that is yeah. negative. Certainly not. I'm not sure I could be negative if I tried. Um, yeah. But I do want to make sure that I am being real in a way that sets the expectation or sets the example for whoever's watching, whether it's my kids or the students that I'm around or my colleagues or friends, sets the expectation that life doesn't always have to be uh, easy or, or happy or, or any of that, um, that I can be very real about what's going on. So that is probably a very lofty goal. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot wow. of being very present and, and, and keeping my eyes open. Um, so help oh. me with it. You have to keep I me on task. It because I think it's really an ethos, like an approach to how you want to live. Um, I think it's tied in, like, you know, I'm turning that new decade in February. So, um, you know, I've been thinking people, have, you know, people who are, I don't want to say our elders, that's not, that sounds so formal, but, you know, pe women in particular that I play golf with, because you have some time on the golf course, mm -hmm. will talk to me about turning 50 and what that means and what it meant for them. And it's, it's actually kind of been, to use your word, a real conversation. It's, they took a, well, a Irish friend and I, he calls it a life audit. He did. A, he's like, we're going to do a life audit. We're yeah. going to sit down and we're going to go through a couple of things. And um, I think the only thing to do in a life audit is to be real. So um, I, I appreciate that kind of perspective. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Part of me, it makes me laugh because there, uh, when I went to El Salvador on immersion in 2008, we took a bus. Our transportation in the country was this bus, and, the, and it said, Be Real. That was the name ah. of the bus. So I had this picture, and it's like on my you know shelf, Be Real. But we called it Sea Real, which is like the Spanish like mm -hmm. mandate for Be Real. So we can offer this in two languages, Be Real. Okay. Yes. Well, do you know there's a new social media app out called Be Real? I think, okay, so you're starting, a, you're involved in a trend? Is that what you're saying? No, here? not at all. Yeah, um, actually, <laughs> I, I am on Be Real because okay. it, uh, my my kids post, well, only one of them on Be Real. So when he's uh, at college, oh, I, I get to see a picture of him every day, which is the only right. reason is I'm on it. Is it a certain time? Is it a certain time? It does. So there's a notification yes. that pops up and yes. you have like two minutes to take a picture. So, yep. you know, there's no filters. There's no putting yeah. on makeup. There's no taking 17 different options to see what you look like um it, it's silly it's fun um yep. but it's okay. i'm not sure how real it is because of course people figure out a way <laughs> but um anyway that is my goal um for this year 
Yeah, well, you know, to your the counterpoint is there's a lot of things like you named the filter. There's I'm thinking of so many things in our society that honestly want us to not be real. And as we move towards AI, which is like I mean a Pandora's box, right? Right. In terms of your writing and your voice, but yes, our physical appearance and alterations, so many different things, the way we appear, yes, the filter is just the easiest starting point and right. <laughs> So, so yes, there is, there's a lot to consider. One of my favorite phrases, um, my old roommate, who's just a, she's so fun and smart and she always says, keep it real. That's like her little tagline. And it always, I just, I like it. Keep it real as opposed to not, you know, right. So, right. How how about you, Anne, before we move to the spiritual stew, any other resolutions or things you're thinking about? So, you know, I am a big resolutions person and I traveled, my mom and I went to down to Balboa Island, this place in Newport Beach. It's one of my favorite places. We go to this Christmas home tour. And so I said, mom, what are your resolutions? And then she offered a few and and I said, well, are you going to ask me mine? She's like, well, I know you have like five of them, but um, this year I don't have a specific one. I do the list of 24 for 2024. So I've written those down and some of them are just small things. Um, this is from the happiness project by Gretchen Rubin. I read an article about all the waterfalls in the Bay Area, so I want to go on a waterfall hike, just one where I encounter one of those. You know, I think it's good to be in, in nature like that. I have a very specific goal for my golf handicap. I want to visit a friend in San Diego. So I'm only at eight. Um, last year, am I 23 for 23? I do a bigger goal, but I only wrote down 15. I will say I probably did like... 13 of the 15. Good for you. So I think it's a, I think it's good. I mean, anybody can check off. I mean, I will be able to check off the waterfall hike. If I see it and you have to revisit it, something that you go back to, you should be able to do it. One of my goals is to read 24 books this year. That's two books a month. I think it's doable. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? You know uh, your audio book. We know your audio book. I okay. am an audio book person. I'd love to, t- I'd, I have some recommendations I can give you. I'd love to talk about yeah. that. We can share some more books. Um, but yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. So think about it. Think about 24 for 24. Okay. You are listeners. It's um, it's kind of a fun way to frame your year. So absolutely. Being real, you know, there's plenty of work to do. And 24 is a good one because it, it is it does average out to two a month. So when you look at it that way, it seems it does seem pretty doable for whatever it is. All right. Our spiritual stew this weekend um, is the epiphany of the Lord. Matthew's reading of the arrival of the Magi. It is interesting. Uh, I I love the Magi. I love the three kings. I have a book that I pick up every year during during Advent as I'm preparing for Christmas, it's called The Revelation of the Magi um, by Brent Landau, Lando Landau. And um, I, I have a hard copy of it. I did finally download it so that I could listen to it as well. It is a, for me, a very uh, difficult read in the sense that it is very scientific. There are tens of footnotes almost every page and 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 I like to know all that right I want to know why they're adding on a little bit of information about this particular word or topic um, but it's fascinating in the sense that the the magi are not mentioned very often in the Bible um, really right. at all and yet they've become 
like most things that we do with religion at times, a really big deal and very well known and very commercialized in some ways, not like some things. But people know about the three kings. They know the three wise men. Maybe they know we call them the Magi. Um, but the, the revelation of the Magi is the scientific and historical context of who these three men yeah. might have been. I don't want to say actually I, were. I'm not yeah, sure we actually right. really know. Um, but even talking about, you know, the, the Bethlehem star, the North Star, and what was going on in the world at that time mm -hmm. and why they might have, you know, from a scientific standpoint, seen this really, you know, amazing guiding bright star. And so for me, it's fascinating because um, I do live with a scientist. I am a real believer ah. in the science of it. But it also you know, science is faith as well. And so it, it merges both of those and helping us understand who these men were at this time and, you know, where they were living and where what their careers or jobs or um, callings might have been and why they would have been specifically where they were then traveling and detoured. And um, so again, it's a difficult read. It's not a quick read. It's a short book, um, but I find it um, very laborious in terms of um, just making sure I'm following it all. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, it's so interesting, the perspective on which you took, yeah, a story that's familiar and then looking at it from this different approach. I think that's that's fantastic. Um, I teach about this reading because uh, my sophomore class is the Gospel of Matthew. So, you know, one thing is that we don't even know there were three of them. We assume there's three because there was three gifts. Right. But, you know, just even the symbolism of the gifts, gold and then frankincense, you know, like incense for like mm -hmm. his priestly role and then the myrrh for the body, you know, when when prophesizing his um, you know, suffering and death. Um, but one thing that stuck out to me when I heard the reading this Sunday and the gospel reflection was Jesus was born in such difficult times. And I've been feeling that way a lot about our world mm -hmm. between violence and war and whatnot. Um, and so to know that our savior was born in a time that was also, you know, Herod, um, his reign and his terror and why the wise men went a different way. It is, um, it's a profound, right? Uh, Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was helpful to know that a savior was brought into that time because his message is still needed today. Which is one of the things I find amazing about, um, there's another book that I pick up every so often. I've had it for probably 20 years. It's called Jesus Calling. And it's a short reading every day. Um, and when it was given to me years ago, uh, the, the woman who gave it to me said that she reads it every year and she just makes notes in the column or, or, or on the page. And, and every year, just based on where she is at a different point in her life, the readings have different meanings or the reflections have different meanings. Um, I also have another book that a friend recently gave me that I've started reading as well that I will definitely talk about as I we get further along in this podcast series. Um, which is um, based on the Jesuit teachings, which I know is very near and dear to you, your heart, um, a little newer to me um, coming into getting to know the Jesuits, um, but I'm enjoying that as well. But one of the things that I find really interesting between that book, Jesus Calling, the book I'm reading now, and then an Advent program that my mom created 50 years ago that I still use with my own family is how um, universal these messages are and how they seem to be relevant year after year after year 
with everything that's going on in the world. Um, hardship is not new. Reign of terror is not new. Interesting mm-hmm. politicians are not new. Um, yeah. So it's interesting how the message that we get from our faith is is so relevant, even though it's two centuries, two, two millennial old. Um, right. it's, it, I find that fascinating. So it's, it is, you're right. It, Jesus came to us at a time when there was a lot of unrest and, and, and we are far, not far from that now. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's why we return to the scripture because the word doesn't change, but our life experiences do. So we only add to it. So I can visualize this person who's written the notes and you, you know, again, it's a great story though. If you want a dramatic story, take the, right, this, the story of these three wise men who I think they believe were probably like Sarastianism. They practice Sarastianism from like Persia and that they travel from afar and they find, right, this child, you know, um, who was in an upper room. And that's another piece that mm-hmm. Padre taught us about. The reality of where Jesus was probably born is in this extra room that a place would have had but that's for another time and yeah that they went home another way it is a dramatic story right. it's a great story but the truths right that emerge from the story um are worth just holding on to so it's a it's a meaningful way to end the christmas season which is always hard for me because christmas joy it's just it is i know it's so cliche it's the most it's the most wonderful time of the year but i kind of get it why people say it that it is a special time of year it it really is and the the january gloom is and is real in in many ways and um so we can talk about that too as as we move forward in in our episodes as well solutions and and, yeah and and ways we can make it through absolutely and keep and be real about it um So right. the last part of our podcast is always the melting pot, our takeaways. What do we want to, what are our goals for the week? What do we want to take away from what we've heard today? What are we going to challenge each other and our listeners on? Um, and I think you're challenging us with listing 24 things to do in 2024. Yeah. And Haley, I think you have challenged me. I, I am the worst about my phone. I don't like it about myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't. And I'm, I already am preaching about this observation thing, but I, I just, um, I'm not proud of it. And I, I would like to really detach a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I do think like socially and in certain settings, I'm not the person that's, that's, it's only when I'm by myself that mm-hmm. I am like, you know, scrolling or whatnot. But if I'm with you or with somebody else, I'm very, I, I'm very detached, but I, I don't like that energy that it brings to me. So um going to practice that. And then I think I want to pay attention to when I think people are real. Mm-hmm. Like if I notice that in another person that they are real, does that mean they're vulnerable with me? Does that mean that we've just slowed down? Does it mean that they're I don't know. Part of me thinks when we're real, we might be a little less self-consumed and maybe a little more open to the other person. So I offer this, you know, as a personal practice too. like maybe me being real means, you know, listening and um, just being open to where people are at and maybe what they're going through. So, well, I think I think it circles back to the the activity that you had your students do is just observing 
And, um, you know, when we open our eyes to see what's truly out there, I think that's going to be as real as we can be and, and making sure that we're seeing it not through our own lens, but the, the lens of what's truly there, um, which I think is, it, it takes effort. It takes practice like all good things. Um, it's going to take effort and practice for us to connect, but I am committed to doing it. I, (laughs) I will thank you again for reaching out to suggest this. I have really missed it. It's, it's been a grounding, um, experience for me and and it's kept me on track. So I am really excited, um, to continue this conversation and to, and to just share. I I feel like we both have, um, so much to offer in different ways. And I love how you balance out, um, a lot of what I share. So I, I look forward to our next episode. I do too. I hope our audience feels that way. And, you know, we didn't have time for it today, but I am fascinated by the Kelsey brothers. I, I think their <laughs> podcast, I think it's excellent. I'm only seeing the highlights on social media, but yes, there is some, it, it is fun to listen to them. So, um, I don't totally know the mission, like the objective of their podcast, but I think we have a pretty clear one. So for our listeners, right, this is a melting pot of topics about our faith. Cause I think we're two women who really value that and want to share it. We feel like we've been given a gift. I'll speak for you a little bit there, but I think we both feel like we have a real gift in terms of having experiences that have shaped and formed a faith. Um, and it's not something that can, just be isolated it's something that needs to be shared so in that process of talking about it on the air we hope it inspires other people but also um, that we get some feedback from what people learn and how it helps them grow i love that happy new year until next time you've got it